Welcome back to the Behind the Net Podcast. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Matthew, and joined with me today is my other co-host, Michael. And we are honestly freaking out right now because a major, major trade has just went down right before recording this in the NBA. And uh, I mean, <laughs> we, we figured we'd just get right into it because it literally yeah. just happened and it's a big trade. So I'm just going to read off the top. We were, I mean, you know, we were prepping to, uh, you know, start recording when uh, I got the notification that um, from Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN, um, he tweeted out that Houston, the Houston Rockets have agreed to trade Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a first round pick. Michael, what wow. is your initial reaction to this? Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's literally what I texted you uh, when you messaged me <laughs> the trade. Yeah, I sent you I sent you it like immediately. <laughs> okay, just for context, when we're recording this, this trade has happened 31 minutes ago after Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted. And of course, there is a great response from the unofficial uh, Aaron Baines account. I see that. I see that down there. <laughs> <laughs> I can see now why it's a very beloved account, first of all. Just I wanted to bring that up. Shout out the uh, Baines account, the Baines fan club. Yeah. Okay. So we've been kind of speculating that this was a possibility for a while. Like, mm-hmm that uh, Russell Westbrook might be getting traded for John Wall. I thought it was not going to happen just because I felt like it's one of those trades that uh, both teams would have to agree to moving really expensive salaries. But you know what? I I guess now that I actually see the trade, it's a, it's a good one for the Rockets because first of all, can you confidently say that the Wizards are going to be a playoff team next year? I'm not a hundred percent certain on that. I know some people might be like, oh, it's time for the playoffs for the Wizards. They're going to make the playoffs. Even if they do, they're probably going to be an eight seed. So the Rockets get a mid-first-round mid pick at the at the very least and a potential top-10 pick uh, if all things go well next year. So, And just think about it this way. Maybe Bradley Beal wants to get traded as well now that he's uh, one of his best friends and John Wallace getting traded. So a lot of interesting stuff going on with the Wizards, and I, I don't blame the... Uh, Rockets are trying to snag a first round pick out of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, uh, I'm actually, I kind of think like, I think the same as you, uh, but I'm going to take a different approach. I think the wizards could actually have a very good um, season this season. Honestly, how I break it down, like this is a very surprising trade. It's almost like, it's like very equal. It's like equally good for both teams and equally bad for both teams. Yeah. <laughs> if you get it, it's like, Russell Westbrook is a player, a point guard who, you know, you know, no offense to him, he's a great superstar player, but you know, the winning doesn't come along with him. It, it, it seems that it's hard for, you know, teams built around him to, um, you know, find the wins and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, uh, find success around him. Um, John Wall, as we know, is injury prone and, uh, he's been, you know, he missed the last season with an injury and they are, you know, the Wizards have just been waiting on, you know, getting him um, back in the lineup. And we do know that Russell Westbrook kind of the fact that he requested a trade out of Houston kind of put a lot of pressure on Houston to, you know, trade him as it always. It goes with mm-hmm. trade requests. Um, I think this was a little of Houston trying to get something, you know, of equal value back you know, a star point guard back and salvage the trade. Um, and I think on Washington's end, 
let's not forget Washington might have had a bad uh you know a bad season this season but a few seasons ago when they had a healthy John Wall and a healthy Bradley Beal um they were a playoff team um and this season uh we do know that the east the east is always changing um we've seen you know the nets get better we know the nets got better and we know they're trying to get even more better um and and we know that you know a few teams you know um decreased i guess in their expected success and the raptors are included in that in a way and you know i think the Wizards can surprise people. I think if, if Westbrook, a healthy Russell Westbrook, um, you know, can take the place of John Wall, who's been absent for the last couple seasons, and uh, Bradley Beal, you know, has been playing great last season. If he pairs with Russell Westbrook effectively, I think we could have, you know, a playoff team on our hands. And then, again, Houston, I feel like Houston's declining. Um, if John Wall comes back healthy um, and plays great, as we've seen him play, we know, I, I think people tend to forget how good John Wall is because he's been, you know, he hasn't been healthy for a while. Uh, I think a backcourt of him and James Harden would be interesting, honestly. Mm-hmm. To your point about uh, John Wall being injury prone, the last game of basketball that he's played professionally was uh, Boxing Day in 2018. Mm-hmm. We're talking nearly two years since he last stepped onto a court. And I mean, can you, is he going to be able to play this year? Has he been cleared to return to uh, actually, the, the core? I actually don't know. That's the thing. And that goes back to my point. I think Washington, in one way, Washington was kind of tired of waiting for John Wall. They saw an opportunity to, you know, get a healthy point guard, you know, of star value. If not, you know, they're both stars, but I would say Russell Westbrook is the, the, the more of the superstar um, and can do it more on his own. I think yeah. Washington saw that opportunity to get back, um, you know, playing time from a, a star point guard. And Houston saw an opportunity to get their value back from uh, from Russell Westbrook, who, you know, requested a trade. And in, and in those in those scenarios, you're just trying to get value back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why uh, if you're the Wizards, uh, you have to take that because uh, I give up quite a bit just to get uh, Russell Westbrook because Westbrook is a sure thing right now that he will be playing in the lineup to start this season. Uh, whereas, uh, you're right, there's no guarantees that John Wall is going to be playing this, uh, this to start the season. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just still possible that he will. And I think he's going to be much closer to returning to uh, the court. But again, you're right, that uncertainty is uh, a big uh, part of this equation. And I think that's why for the Rockets to accept getting a player that may or may not be able to play to start uh, 2020, 2021, they have to give, they have to, uh, um, they have to give up a, uh, take a first round pick or something. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's an, it's an interesting trade. That's for sure. I do want to say, uh, DeMarcus cousins, uh, kind of, I feel like a lot of people missed it during the free agent frenzy, but he actually signed with the Rockets and he was teammates with John Wall in Kentucky. And he actually just tweeted the uh, smirking face uh, emoji. Um, I think that's going to be interesting. We know, I think Houston's taking a chance on, uh, you know, a couple of star players there um, with Mm -hmm. injury issues. I'm wondering how this affects James Harden. We know he requested trade. Does this, 
you know, does this make him want to stay still? I don't think so. I think Mm-mm. I think James Harden still wants out. Don't I? I don't feel as though he would be any more interested in playing with John Wall than he did with Russell Westbrook um, at last season's end. And I think, again, I think it's just Houston, if they are going to go into a rebuild, they're trying to get value out of those superstars that they can, you know, flip for more assets if they are going to go into a rebuild. John Wall, if he comes back and plays, you know, at least 80% of how he used to play, you know, that's still a star player and, if they choose to go the rebuild route, that's a, a good asset they got back. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're saying that is is James Harden going to want to request a trade, I honestly think that he's going to probably really going to do it now more than ever. If he lost one of his big teammates in Russell Westbrook, and now it's been, what, a couple of years of instability with uh, his star teammates going in and out the door, he's definitely going to want to try something different. And I don't think he's uh, patient enough to stick it out in Houston because now that they've uh, lost uh, Russell Westbrook and they're getting back a player, which, as we mentioned, may not be ready to start the season. If you're James Harden, maybe you want to start some uh, start anew. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the coming days he really presses for a trade and maybe in the next few weeks or so we see that trade come to fruition. For sure. We'll see. We know training camp started or starting this week. But trades are still happening, so we'll see how we'll see how things change, uh, you know, shape up until uh, the season starts. But from that, I think we'll spring on to the rest of what's going on in basketball, and we'll co- cover that uh, pretty briefly, mostly about the Toronto Raptors. We found out that they will be playing in Tampa Bay. What do you think of that? I think we touched on it a little bit last uh, week, but yeah, what do you think of that? I mean, Tampa Bay, like I was saying in the last podcast, is a good temporary home. But, you know, obviously COVID is still a big factor in this. And I saw earlier today that there was 48 positive tests of COVID out of around over 500 players. That's alarmingly high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for this to work, they have to really force the players to stay in their bubbles, like their, their team bubbles. Because as we've seen with the NFL... And to an extent, the MLB, if the players break protocol, it jeopardizes not only their their season, but the league as a whole. So if I'm the Raptors, you're going to a place where there's going to be a, a high risk of getting COVID if you try and go out of uh, your bubble, which is probably staying in the team hotel, or maybe if they have some accommodations in the area, what have you. And if they go to other cities, they have to follow those rules as well. So... Tampa Bay, like I said, it's a good temporary spot, but obviously the uh, the players and the fans themselves prefer that they're back in Toronto. But obviously we can't really get that because of uh, the ongoing situation. I agree. I agree. And yeah, like we talked about last uh, last week, uh, I think it's, you know, it had to be done, of, of course, play over there. I think it's a good city to play in either way. So uh, we'll see how that works out, but... You know, we'll keep it brief. Not a lot of Raptors news this week. We know that, you know, last week we touched on how Sergi Baca and Marcus Hall um, went and signed in their respective Los Angeles teams. But what do you think is a realistic... What do you think are some realistic expectations for the Raptors? I know we talked about last week, you know, their... Uh, you know, we think they, they really still are a playoff team. Um, but do you think, you know, do you think that the Raptors... I'll just, how about, what are some of your hot takes? I want to know, like, who do you think will be, 
the player to step up for the Raptors this season? And what can you expect from them, from, from well, some of these players? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my opinions still haven't changed. I still think this Raptors team is going to make the playoffs. I still think they're going to be like a fifth or sixth seed at, at uh, their best. Obviously, we would like to see them do better, but we can't uh, forecast the future. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? It has to be Pascal Siakam. He already took those next steps uh, this past year, but if there's anything to go off with the playoffs is that we think, as as fans, and also just Raptors, people who cover the Raptors in general, know that for this Raptors team to really take those next steps, it has to start with Pascal, or at least showing that he can lead a team when he needs to. So I think you have to look at him and put the pressure on Pascal to really step up this coming season. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, I, dog. <laughs> you can hear my dog in the background. I wonder if my mic picks it up. But uh, I, I agree with Pascal. Um, I, I'm actually wondering. Like, I think he's going to be the biggest question mark heading into the season. We know who he is. He's a – also, my just try to ignore my dog, Dalton. <laughs> I'm, I'm not listening listeners. to the dog. Keep going. But anyways – um yeah the point is uh I think there's a big question mark around Pascal Siakam of course he in the bubble you know last season we saw that he had easily the best season and we were debating you know at the beginning of the season we were debating like if he's an MVP candidate right he obviously Mm -hmm. declined a little bit but he would still put up his best season second NBA uh all NBA team you know all-star first time all-star and I still think he played like a top 15 player, top maybe even top 10 player mm-hmm. in in the regular season. The bubble is where things took a turn. And the problem is, like we said at the end of last season, it was because he was out of a gym for so long and things like that. I've seen, I've seen the, you know, the, the photos and, and the videos and things like, it seems like he's been, he kind of went off the grid all off season. Yeah. And then we've only see anytime we've ever seen photos of him or clips of him is him putting in work at the gym. So I hope he's been grinding. And I think he has been grinding very hard and, you know, you could tell that he'll be coming back with, you know, that fire in him to try and prove the haters wrong. But do you think he can bounce back or do you think that the bubble was more than just an outlier and that might actually indicate, you know, a regression in his play? Well, I definitely I think that's a the million dollar question at this point. Uh, how much do we do we view the twenty twenty playoffs as uh, what kind of a career Pascal is going to have from this point on? And really, I think we'd like to see that that was just a blimp on the radar, but we don't know. We that's I think that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, it's great to hear that Pascal is getting putting his work in. I think any player that just went through a rough playout run would want to do that. But again, we have to actually see it on the court. We need to see not just one game because one game like will make us like okay, he's he's definitely can do this. But I would like I think you and I would agree that we'd like to see him do this over the course of an entire season. Not not saying every single game, but for the majority of the season, proving that he can be the guy, that he can be the person that will be the be- the focal point of the Raptors' offense and the guy that when the time comes for a big shot. They don't have to rely on OG or uh, Kyle Lowry. They can confidently give the ball to to Pascal and get out of the way and let him do his thing. I think that's what we need to see more of next season for us to fully feel confident, not just us too, but just Raptors fans in general, that Pascal can be the guy. I agree. I think if the Raptors want to find success next season at all, 
Pascal Siakam has to actually make an even bigger jump than he did last season, I think. Not just be the same type of player he was. Yeah, exactly. And I think we don't want to just see him be in the MVP conversation. I th- Honestly, if he could actually win an MVP award, that could definitely do a lot to boost his uh, repertoire as a that guy. Would, that would make him a top five player. You know, only the top five players win MVPs. Yeah, and that would be something for a late first round pick. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and then other than that, I'll just give my quick, uh, you know, not not really hot takes, but I, I definitely think OG Ananobi, we have to watch a lot for him. I think he'll take that big step. I think even more so than I think everyone's waiting for Fred Van Vliet to take that big next step. I think OG Ananobi could. I think he really could become, you know, an elite defender. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't find a lot. I, I can't find many other players in the NBA with the skill set like he has. If he could just refine that. Um, I think he could become maybe he doesn't even need to be an all-star. He just needs to be, you know, one of the best defensive players in the league. And he has the skill set to do that. And I think we just need to watch for that. Um, and, you know, obviously with Fred Venvley, um, it's the same. I One thing I think that might happen is Norman Powell could get traded. I think that's a very likely possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something that's going to be interesting to watch too because uh, Norman Powell has been uh, – a reliable score throughout his entire time with the Raptors. And it would suck to see him go because I, you and I would agree that uh, Powell plays a big part of this team coming off the bench. And obviously I think we'd wanted to see him uh, become an even better player than he is. But like the player that he is now is perfectly capable of being a quality player in this, in the NBA. So yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because guys like Powell, are tough to find to have those uh reliable scores that can come off the bench and give you valuable minutes you it's not easy to find and you know the fact that he hasn't even been in the conversation for six man of the year to this point it's kind of uh i don't know about you i'm a little frustrated mm-hmm. yeah no um yeah no i i i i feel that but um yeah well well, well honestly there's a lot to see with this Raptors team moving forward and uh, this season. And uh, yeah, any other takes from you? I guess really it just comes down to uh, where the what what's going to look like for the Raptors in Tampa. Uh, that's going to be my curious big thing. Do you think that they they could make a midseason return to Toronto? Well, there has been talks about vaccines uh, com- becoming available. So if all goes well, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Um, I I really think it all depends on the vaccine. But even then, I think, I mean, I think it would just be easier for them to play it out in one location, you know. Yeah. And look towards next, and for Toronto to look towards next season, if anything. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And who? It's just the the fact that they're even in a position to play should be a huge accomplishment. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, talking about arenas and things like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I want to transition into some Blue Jays talk and uh, nice. a big, a big, you know, some big news came out this week. Uh, it's still unconfirmed because, you know, Rogers and is uh, not giving out details about, it, but there's been news that the Rogers Center, um, mm-hmm. that there's, there are plans to demolish the Rogers Center and build a new arena or stadium for the Blue Jays and also use part of the property that the Rogers Center now stands on um, for 
you know, I think some condos and maybe some shopping areas as well. I want to know what your thoughts on this, uh, on this topic are. I'm, you know, it's interesting because I think the Rogers Center is uh, one of those buildings that has quite the mixed reception from the city of Toronto. You have a lot of people that love it, that always have fond memories of going to the Sky Dome, seeing Joe Carter's home run, Bautista's bat flip, and all those other great moments that have happened at the, that arena over the years. But at the same time, you probably can agree that it's also a bit overrated. It's past its uh, due date. Maybe uh, it could use a change. And, you know, looking at uh, the state of ballpark since uh, the Baltimore Orioles Camden Yards opened in 1992, the Rogers Center is definitely a bit of an oddball in the sense that it kind of stands out, maybe not in the best way, which is interesting because when it opened, it was a state-of-the-art facility. Mm. It was this amazing ballpark, attractable roof, hotel in the ballpark. It's, it's, ama- it's great. But now it's already looking... Like within not even in the five years of his existence, it already looked out of date. So it should be. Int- I'm interested to see what they come up with for this new stadium, mm-hmm. and I think it should be by the lakefront. Mm-hmm. I'll. Uh, I have I have some different thoughts, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I I definitely think the Rogers Center is outdated. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, this happens with every stadium. You know, every thirty to forty years. Um, you know, considerations about a stadium becoming outdated and and uh, the need for a new one. And it's diff- it was different for the Rogers Center because, like you said, at the time of its opening, it was known as like a state-of-the-art, um, you know, stadium because at the time, the fact that it was it had a retractable roof and the fact that it was artificial grass and things like that, it was really, like, groundbreaking and, and also... But I get. I'm. I mean, we didn't live back then. But I'm guessing the the the, the need for accessibility was a big thing back then. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, after a few years, you know, the the roof didn't quite work as expected. Um, and I mean, hey, it's still convenient to this day. I mean, you know, at least the uh, the the Blue Jays don't ever have to worry about you know weather coming the way mm-hmm. <laughs> of games. Yeah. But um, other than that, I mean. The whole artificial uh, turf thing, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm sure the whole accessibility behind it was a, a big benefit. But after a while, you know, all the other teams in the MLB started to move away from that and move towards the, you know, the classic looking real grass uh, parks. And the Blue Jays were behind in that in that sense, having one of the yeah. only, you know, indoor sta- uh, stadiums like that. I mean, and, you can't really fault them for that mm-hmm. because it was a it was a byproduct of the fact that they uh, needed the indoor stadium. They needed a retractable roof oh, just yeah. because of the fact that they were in such a rainy climate. Yeah, it was it was but, such yeah. a smart it was a smart idea at the time, hundred percent. And it still is. It like, is. Just, yeah, I def- like, I definitely think it's still a good idea. It's just uh, it's not really the thing that all the other teams are going with now. It's not really the trend, and more so. Uh, yeah, I do think it's just outdated. Uh, but the thing I'm going to, you know, the thing I, I'm sure we both, we've all like we've grown up going to the Rogers Center and we love it. And I really like, I think it's become an iconic, you know, building in Toronto, especially on Toronto's sky, mm-hmm. skyline, right? Just the look, yeah. look of it and, and everything when you drive by, like it's, it's such a nice stadium to look at even more nicer than, you know, the, you know, the ACC or, or now the Scotiabank arena. It just looks like a typical, 
uh, arena, right? But the the, yeah. the 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 look of the Rogers Center, and everything, and the fact that it's next to the CN Tower, and that view when the when the dome is open and the CN Tower is you know right right above it. I love that location, and I know you like um you you would want to see it on the waterfront, which would be very nice as well, especially for an outdoor park. But something about the location, having it right next to the CN Tower, always made me think of it as a really iconic location. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't that, pass on me, Dad. That mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. It Sorry really, to interrupt. It's really hard to move away from that idea. I know an outdoor an outdoor park would be great on the waterfront, and I get that. But something about the CN Tower, the symbolism of Toronto behind it, um, and just a towering over during the game would would mm-hmm. would you know it's hard to move away from that. Mm-hmm, absolutely, I won't. It doesn't pass on me that uh, the Rogers Center is a very iconic part of the city of Toronto. You're right. The fact that for over 30 years, when you think of the CN Tower, your next immediate thought is, oh, the Rogers Center is right next door to it. And they've always been synonymous for that long. And it's always pretty cool. I remember I used to work at, with the Blue Jays. That walk to the stadium, I'd always see the CN Tower. It was always such a cool thing just coming to the ballpark for work. But, you know, at the same time, when it comes to this new stadium, you can definitely still have that retractable roof. You could still have that real grass it could just be done differently like do everything that the rogers center did right and improve upon it tenfold i think that's what we could get for this brand new stadium which will definitely not be coming on the next five years we as much as we like to see it come out really fast Mm -hmm. it's gonna this is gonna take a while and when it does finally get uh open to the public and we can go in there watch a ball game for the first time I think it'll be. I don't think it'll be great. I think fans will quickly learn to love it. I mean, fans didn't initially like the Rogers Center when it first opened, believe it or not, as far as I remember. But they quickly grew to love it just because of uh, the, the fond memories, and that's. I think the same thing can happen with this new one. And- I do. I do have to wonder what this means for the Blue Jays' return to Toronto, because you would think you know a stadium like this takes a few years to to build. And if you demolish the Rogers Center, then they technically don't have any stadium to play in. So it makes me wonder, like, how long do the, I guess, Rogers uh, think that the Blue Jays will be playing out of Buffalo? That's actually a good question. You know, it kind of passed on me when I was watching uh, the tw- thinking about the 2020 season, not hearing this news, just thinking about how. I may have been in the last ever game the Blue Jays played at to the Rogers Center. Obviously, that's not going to happen because I feel like there's going to be some more games played before then. But just the, just the sheer idea that it might have might be a possibility, given that there may not be a clear answer of when the Blue Jays can play in Toronto again, it's it's definitely something crazy to think about. For sure, that is a crazy thought. We'll see. Rogers didn't. Rogers said that they can't comment on, on it um, much further. So again, there's no really any confirmation that they're going to do it anytime soon. Um, but you know, it's still kind of up in the air. But definitely some big news, especially if it does happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe you want to talk about uh, some Blue Jays rumors and and especially around one specific uh, free agent. Yeah. Blue Jays news has started to pick up a little bit. Uh, earlier today, we saw that Travis Shaw and AJ Cole were non-tendered, so they'll be coming free agents. 
and every unsigned player on the 40-man roster has been tendered contracts for the coming season. And I believe one of them includes uh, Ken Giles and Matt Shoemaker. So that should be good for Blue Jay fans for, about, for that front. But uh, I think the big story this past week, besides the Rogers Center sus future, was George Springer. And we've mentioned him for the last couple of podcasts mm-hmm. as a potential target for the Blue Jays. Well, two days ago, John Morrissey of MLB Network reported that Springer has given a lot of serious thought to playing for the Blue Jays, source told him. And, you know, just the sheer idea that the, the Blue Jays are in this position, that they may have attracted one of the prize free agents of the 2020 class, should give uh, Blue Jays fans a lot of excitement. Because it's not very often that the Blue Jays are in after the big guns on mm. free agency, just because they just can't afford it. So, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited, and definitely, uh, like you said, I think the fact that they have a chance of, you know, landing a major free agent, and we know also with, you know, Trevor Bauer also being the star pitching uh, free agent, uh, the, the Blue Jays being on, on both, if not just one of them, is is huge. Is a huge thing, and if they can sign um, George Springer, that would be huge. I mean, he's been a big part of the Houston Astros. Um, he was their World Series MVP, and mm-hmm. he's you know he's an All Star caliber player that the Blue Jays would love to add to their team. And the fact that he's even giving you know a lot of thought into it, I think, is looking really good for the Blue Jays. And if not, you know, I don't even want to jinx it. Uh, you know, knock on wood. Um, but you know, uh, I think just the fact that he's considering it, if anything, if they're the Blue Jays are, you know, setting themselves up as a free agent destination, that is looking great in the eyes of this uh, rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just speaks volumes to what the Blue Jays have built over the last couple of years. Remember, when the start, when 2019 began, the Blue Jays looked miserable. They were miserable. They were a tough team to watch. As I said, I worked at the Blue Jays, and it was during that exact season. It was uh, hard to uh, be at the ballpark at times. But, you know, when Vladdy came to came in, came up, and then Cavan, and then Bo later on, you could tell the team was starting to turn a corner. And now, obviously, it didn't result in wins. But we saw the early signs of that progress this past season, where they surprised everyone and made the playoffs. Yeah, obviously, they had a disappointing uh, playoff showing, losing two games to the eventual World Series finalist in the Tampa Bay Rays. But just the fact they're even there to begin with is is huge for their development. And they can only go up from here. So they're definitely doing the right thing by going after the big guns because they know that this, this team is in a position to succeed. So why not strike where the iron's hard? And as we said in previous episodes... George Springer would make a lot of sense. And just the fact that you can have someone who has proven in the past to have a lot of success in the playoffs, something I think the Jays could benefit from is huge. For sure. For sure. And uh, even just focusing on Springer, you know, uh, the Blue Jays could use a lot of help um, in the outfield and he would be great. He would honestly just be just the perfect addition for the Blue Jays and, and landing him would be, would accelerate the rebuild that much quicker and what they're building mm-hmm. on. And like you said, you know, um, they've kind of taken so much steps this season. You know, we didn't even see it coming. Although, obviously, this season, this past season was, you know, 
an altered season. They added playoff spots, and, and the Blue Jays were lucky to get that playoff spot um, that you know normally wouldn't be there in a regular season. But nonetheless, they made the playoffs. They have mm-hmm. taken a big step, and they could take a huge step by just getting a star player for free. So mm-hmm. I'll definitely be interested in seeing how the Blue Jays play out uh, this free agency period, and it's 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 going to start soon. So, um, you know, there's been a ton of rumors, so we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, and just to your point about the rumors, there's been a few other players that the Blue Jays have been connected to. Uh, I think I mentioned in the last one a reliever named Hand is mm-hmm. one. Real Muto is another one. Uh, Hai Sung Kim is another player that the Blue Jays are apparently interested in. And earlier today, there was uh, talks that the Blue Jays were talking to the Philadelphia Phillies about trading for Jan Segura, who is an infielder. I believe he's a second baseman. And, of course, DJ LeMay, who's another one, mm-hmm. and Colton Wong. So the Blue Jays are going to do something this offseason. It's just a matter of what that move is. And I'm very curious and excited. I know you are, too, about what they end up doing this offseason. For sure. I'm, I'm super excited. We'll just have to wait and see who they pick up. Um. I guess with that, we'll move into some hockey. Not a lot of hockey mm-hmm. news um, in a way, but there is a lot of hockey news in a way. And I'll let you explain kind of what's going on. But as of right now, it's weird. The, the NHL season is set to begin January 1st, but at the same time, it's not set to begin January 1st. And it's yeah. all still so up in the air. So why don't you explain a little bit of what's happening because there's a lot that's kind of up in the air right now. I posted earlier today the meme of, well, yes, but actually no. Which is that pirate? <laughs> yeah. But that that's re- pretty much the state of the NHL's 2020-2021 uh, season right now. We think it's going to happen. We expect it to happen. But they haven't confirmed it's going to happen. And apparently there's been a lot of... Uh, well, sh- I shouldn't say a lot of... Not a lot of is more of the correct word. Talk between the NHL and the NHLPA because there's... I, I guess the players are frustrated with the way things are going in terms of uh, contract talks are gone in their pay. They probably view it as a, a renegotiation. Whereas the NHL saying, no, this is not a renegotiation. Uh, it's, it's this and that. And so I guess what you're hearing, seeing is this back and forth between these two parties. And we've seen this play out before in like, what, three other lockouts. And now there's already talks about a fourth one, which is something that, I don't think many hockey fans want just the idea of the NHL and the NHLPA after coming to an agreement in a CBA, which is something that they rarely do already going threatening another lockout is frustrating because, Mm -hmm. but this is what happens when you're you're watching hockey. This happens all the time. It does happen all the time. And, you know, we were just, you know, applauding Gary Bettman, you know, he has done a great job, but you know, (laughs) it's very hard to see these things kind of, you know, look good and then kind of crumble in a way, right? And it honestly does look like a lockout is a possibility if they can't come to an agreement. And there's a whole bunch of things up in the air, um, ways to, you know, that the league needs money, ways for them to get that money, things that could possibly change. And it's also up in the air. But uh, if one thing's for certain is, you know, the next, this month is going to be, a pretty up and down roller coaster for what's to come for the NHL. Yeah, I think it's just more frustrating from a fan's perspective because you've seen the NBA is going to get started very soon. Like actually not even soon, like probably in a couple weeks. Yeah. And by 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 after Christmas, 
we'll be seeing uh, basketball being played. I mean, yeah, like so, they're already going into training camp. So to see like, you know, it's basically getting underway this week and the yeah. NHL doesn't even have their plans together, right? Yeah. You add the, the NFL, which is still being played, although you can argue that they even should be playing at this point. And I believe the MLB is also going to be returning soon, plus all the other leagues like the W and WHL, the WNBA, uh, so on and so forth. And just the fact that the NHL is, is again, last to the party on these big uh, decisions on their sport is frustrating. And I can understand why, like, if, if you want to, if you could be turned off by it, it would be good. Uh, like, it'd be reasonable if, you, if you're turned off by the sport with, with this kind of thing happening yet again. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, it's kind of frustrating from a hockey fan's point as well when we have two big news in basketball with uh, this uh, John Wall and Russell Westbrook trade, follow, or which has followed the LeBron James re-signing. And in hockey, what's the most exciting news in the past week? James uh, Le- DeBrusque re-signing with the Bruins? Give me a break. Maybe Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid becoming best friends. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the whole point. There's no like news. There's no big trades. Yeah. That's the I guess that's it feels like the like, NHL's in at a standstill right now. Yeah, I think that's just what's frustrating because mm-hmm. like we want to see stuff happening. We want to see progress. We want to know that our, our, our the sport is coming back. But the fact that there's no clear answer to that is is like yeah, frustrating, but also scary because who knows if when we're going to see a hockey game again mm-hmm. and. We also have to think about it from the perspective of teams, like you know the Leafs. First of all, the big signing of Joe Thornton, T.J. Brody, uh, Zach Bogosian, all those guys. Do they still, if this season gets canceled, do their contracts carry over for next season? I don't know, because the Joe Thornton signed with the intention of trying to win a cup. That'd be a very uh, anticlimactic way for his career to end if that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just think, thinking about that from that perspective. For sure, I will say this. From a fan's perspective, it's a it's a really tough time to be a hockey fan. I mean, the bubble went great, but at the same time, a lot of things happened during the bubble. I know we talked about a lot that made hockey seem very unattractive to a lot of fans, um, mm-hmm. compared to other sports as well. Especially when you're comparing it to like a, a league like the NBA. And then on top of that, yeah, I mean, uh, here's one, another really big unattractive thing that the NHL is doing is essentially dangling the season. <laughs> Uh, with our fans and with the possibility of just saying like you're not even going to get a season now so yeah it's really it's really really tough yeah absolutely you know what else is something that they didn't do great uh, I think you know what I'm referring to because uh, there's been some uh, interesting stories that have been coming like stories that have been coming out from uh, college uh, hockey I want to give a special shout out to first the UNH women's hockey team because they're the first one that did this. Mm-hmm. And then today, the North Dakota's uh, men's hockey team, both teams, uh, obviously, like I said, the UNH women's hockey team did it first. They knelt during the national anthem. And I, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, they both weren't, uh, they're were like, Oh, uh, you're forced to do this, do this or else kind of thing. They both, both parties, uh, actively chose to do it mm-hmm. so i just want to give special props to both teams and especially the women's hockey team that uh set the bar of course set the bar very high and are again leading the charge and we should give them more credit because they're doing a lot of great work for, for sure for uh, 
bringing awareness to social injustices. For sure. It's good to see that, you know, this has to keep going and the discussion has to keep going. And uh, especially in hockey, which we know when we just go listen to some of our previous episodes to know exactly how we feel about it. Um, You know, we feel it's so important that players, Mm -hmm. especially in hockey, kneel and, uh, and, and try to raise awareness there. And, you know, even though, you know, it was just two two players that did it, but that's still a big thing in hockey. And hopefully that, you know, it, it starts spreading as the season continues, you know? Mm-hmm, absolutely. One thing I would like to uh, mention is that I obviously I'm very proud of both teams for doing this. But like one thing that frustrates me is that uh, the UNH, uh, UNH hockey, women's hockey team kneeling, I only learned about this today. I obviously I don't go on Twitter as much as I used to, but like, you know, it says a lot that we're hearing about the North Dakota team first, the men's North Dakota team first, mm-hmm. and not the uh, other. Like, why isn't that getting more attention? You know what I mean? I agree. Like, it's frustrating, yeah. I can understand why a lot of women's hockey fans are frustrated that, again, they're being neglected at times. Mm-hmm. And I think we they deserve a lot of uh, respect and credit for the work they've been putting in. For sure. We should let's like we want to give them a round of applause. Yeah. It's huge what they did and they really uh especially for this uh upcoming, you know, college uh season, they really set the standard and I really hope that it carries on both in women's and men's sports. Absolutely. So again, hockey, the the NHL, it's not looking too great right now, but at least there are some hockey teams that are doing a, a lot of good. Mm-hmm. For sure. So uh, I think we'll wrap up the hockey talk there. We're we're actually keeping good pace for a briefer episode this episode, but that's good. But that's okay because uh, it is the off season. But mm-hmm. we will start to wrap up this episode. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll end things off with our NFL recap. Um, you know, a good a good week for both both of uh, our teams. My my Cleveland Browns and your Buffalo Bills. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, escaped with a, a pretty close game uh against the jaguars but uh yeah they they managed to pull away with the win um 27-25 and they are now nice. 8 and 3 and they are proving the haters wrong proving the doubters wrong and they honestly look like they've taken a big step i don't want to jinx them you know but it looks like they've taken that big step this season and if not the you know they're only going to trend upwards i've always said this before you know this season mm-hmm. You don't have to expect the Browns to go all the way this season, but the fact that they've, you know, made made the the step out of the basement is is exactly where they want to be, and they're trending upwards, and it's nice to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of crazy that the Cleveland Browns are in position to have a winning season for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're that they they made it this far in the season that we are what week uh, twelve or heading into week thirteen because. The Steelers and Ravens just played today. That's it's great to see. I'm obviously happy for you because it's it's been a long time coming that the Browns had a good team. So it's 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 uh it's great for football for sure for sure. We'll just see uh again, knock on wood, but you know they're going to be uh as they close out this season uh they'll have to keep they'll have to keep playing at this consistent level. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Ravens just lost a big one today, like I said. Uh, so the pressure is definitely on both the Browns and the Ravens to keep up their like the, the Browns keep at their pace, but the Ravens to try and close the gap. So mm-hmm. it's not over yet. Obviously, things could still change, but uh, the Brown Cleveland's put themselves in a really good position. 
Mm-hmm. And how about your Bills? So it's been a while since they last played. Obviously, the last time they did play, uh, I was very upset. <laughs> you, you, you remember <laughs> from that podcast. Yeah, I mean, that was a crazy game, though, either way. Yeah. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they bounced back uh, this, this past weekend. Uh, a sloppy game against the Chargers. But they did benefit from some very weak calls, like very weak plays and very poor decisions by the Chargers in the last few minutes. So obviously, I'm happy that the Bills got back on the win column. They're still the in the driver's seat for the AFC East with uh, New England falling behind. They still haven't gone to 500. The Dolphins uh, lost a big game last week, but they won another one. So the... AFC East race is getting pretty interesting, but it's it gets it's good to get a win. The the, the big test is coming up this uh, this coming week, because if I'm not mistaken, the Bills are playing another playoff team, and it's on a what? Uh, trying to see. Yes, they're playing the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, they're not as good as they were last year, but they're definitely going to be a tough uh, tough outing. So they have to be ready. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um definitely going to be a big week a big week uh for both our teams uh the browns yeah. are set to face the titans on sunday mm-hmm, that'll be interesting um but yeah just overall uh as we watch the the season slowly close out um especially with the end of uh december um we'll see how we'll see how things plan out i mean i'm just hoping that the cleveland browns could play could stay consistent you know they've been they've been through a lot this season a lot of uh yeah. injuries as well um, still in, you know, OBJ, uh, things like that. But we will see how things play out. And uh, your Bills have just been, you know, elite all season. And just uh, we'll see if they keep, stay on top. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one thing I was that really just struck me once you were mentioning that the the, the Browns and the Titans are going to be playing. I'm th- I think back to last season, Get opening day for both the Browns and the Titans. The Titans make all these big moves to bring in OBJ, like that being the, the the major headline grabbers. And people were talking about the Browns being legitimate playoff contenders for the mm-hmm. first time ever. And their first game with this new core, they get destroyed by the Tennessee Titans. <sighs> so mm-hmm. I, you know, if there's any team that would be super motivated going into a game, a Sunday afternoon game, it has to be the Cleveland Browns. Redemption. I'm sure, I'm sure a few of the players are thinking about last season because the Titans were chirping them after the game. If you recall, I think one of the players like we saw who we saw. <laughs> That's who you saw. Kind this of thing. is this is the new look Browns. This is the Browns that have developed chemistry and know how to win, um, even with OBJ out. They know how to win uh, games, and and hopefully, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure they want that redemption. Absolutely, I th- I think uh, if if anything, you're gonna be seeing a lot of uh, talk about that game. So it'll be it'll be a, it'll be a fun one for Browns fans if all goes well. But if not, those echoes from that game last year are gonna keep coming back in fuller volume. We'll just have to see. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's pretty much this week in sports uh we'll start to close out this episode um as always thank you guys everyone for listening uh we really appreciate it this is actually episode 50 the big 50 Mm -hmm. so that's a big milestone we've been doing this for 50 episodes um we just passed the year mar the year anniversary um 
you know, just a bit over a month ago. So a few episodes back mm. and now to hit 50 is, it's pretty insane. So that's it's awesome. It's pretty crazy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also want to say that this is going to mark the conclusion of season one. I know it was a very long season, but uh, season one ends at episode 50. And when you hear the next episode uh, next week, it'll be season two, episode one, ep- total episode 51. So there's something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of big things coming in season two. With season two will come new sports seasons to talk about. Um, so, you know, new Raptors and Leafs and Blue Jays content to discuss. So we'll see with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, as always, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. And of course, don't forget about our podcast. It has a Twitter too. Yeah, we're not as active, but it's still there. It's at Behind the Net Pod. Hopefully, uh, as sports come back, we'll be more active on it. But uh, definitely give it a follow if you want to keep track of these episodes because we will post the updates there. Mm-hmm. We post all the, uh, when the episode first drops, we always post it on there first. So make sure you have the notifications on and you can listen in there. Um, but yeah. Thanks again for listening. We will be back next week with season two and we'll catch you guys next week. See you guys in season two.